I take my cue from the preamble to the Constitution, which reads, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Who were we the people in 1787? You would not be among we the people. African Americans would not be among the people. The women weren't there. African Americans weren't there. Even white men who owned no property. The genius of the United States is that over now the course of more than two centuries, the notion of we the people has become ever larger. So the people who were once left out, like women, like African Americans, like Native Americans, are now part of that we the people. So I see the Constitution as striving for a more perfect union. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 696 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the exasperated, scholarly, talented, beautiful Brittany Page. I just, I need to... Right when I was <laughs> introing, <laughs> you threw your hands up in disgust at something that you saw. Yeah, I need clue I need, me in and the audience no, what it is. I just I need to not look at Facebook while I'm doing the show. So I don't know why I was on it before we're starting the show. Like I don't I don't know <laughs> more ding dongs you went to high school with. It's just a conservative shared a video of Obama in 2016 on. It says, and I, I'm not fact checking any of this, so I don't know. It's just a video in my feed. Obama 2016 quote: When there is a vacancy on the SCOTUS, the president is to nominate someone. And it, like this person gives a shit what Barack Obama has to say, right? Yeah, the yeah. standard that you are evaluating this situation is not based on what Barack Obama said in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's just maddening to me. This whole everything that's happening right now, we've all had to take a beat and a breath and. I mean, sorry to kind of start things off no, on a political no. tone, but can we talk about what happened on Friday when we got the news? Yeah, I got a, I got a, um, either a text or a Twitter DM from someone. Mm -hmm. We were, we're rewatching the, well, I'm rewatching, you're watching for the first time, The Wire. Yes. And we very were, into it, by the way. For sure. Very good show. Wondering why I'm even doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> when I you could mean, be watching The Wire. <laughs> the show. Yeah. And I either got a text or a DM from somebody. Let me think about which one it was. Oh, it's so important. I'm joking. Make sure you have it right. <laughs> and they said, uh, it's kind of a shitty thing to laugh and then go to the, the news, that, yeah. that RBG had died. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, my, my heart started racing like I had just received news that a family member had died. Mm -hmm. And I, I... You literally grabbed your heart, by the way. Oh, when you, did I? You told me, after you saw it on your phone, you said, RBG died. And you were holding your heart. Yeah, it was my. It was beating very fast. Like, you know when you get almost get in a car accident and your heart starts racing? Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Yeah, and so I had my phone in my hand while I was watching the show. And I know that's abhorrent for some people but it was happening it is what you do and i said no no she didn't i don't have yeah, a news alert no no alerts yet yeah and you're like no i i'm pretty sure that that's the case and you started going to investigate and then i opened my app and then i saw something too but i didn't get news alerts to my phone for maybe five more minutes yeah and then they started coming in so that was pretty strange because normally when anything happens to her News alerts are coming in left and right, and I'm feeling panicked. 
But then when it finally happens, I'm not getting any of the news alerts. Yeah, it put uh, a real damper, I'm sure, on everybody's weekend. Mm -hmm. Because it puts the United States and, in some measure, the world in a very precarious situation that we didn't exist in before. For sure. Now, it is just one individual on the Supreme Court, but it was like the last bastion the last holdout because if either of the other ladies had died or 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 briar if he died it would be a big problem Mm -hmm. because now we sit with a five three court five four court is bad enough Mm -hmm. but a five three court oh my god Mm -hmm. now we're looking be looking at and we're going to get into all of this anyway let's talk first about what went down it just it really just squelched the weekend. It was it it was um, tears and emotion mm-hmm. and um, trying, fighting, scraping at good moods on both of our sides. And I'm sure that was the way it was at, with everybody who's listening, with a lot of people mm-hmm. who were listening. Yeah, just sad for sure. Not unsus- uh, not not surprising because she was 87 years old and lived a remarkable life. Um, just a flood of emotions of all kinds of different things because you have to grapple with the grief of someone that you admired. And then you're also dealing with the the existential dread of what is to come. Yeah. Both the political situation, but also generally the situation in our country from a human and civil rights point uh, perspective too. For sure. So anyway, we did. We we jumped up. Um, we we created a link on Act Blue. I guess this is as good a time to talk about it as any. Mm-hmm. And they're right now taking back the Senate is the most important, other than the White House, which is critically important. The Senate it, it might be equally important. And I went through and I picked four races that I think are. And if you want to give your money to, to individual races, do your thing. I, this is not to shame giving political contributions in any way. But also maybe skip Amy McGrath. Yeah, that's just not a winnable race. If you're going to skip anything and try to put your money somewhere else. Not only is that not a winnable race, she's got a fucking, a barge load of money. She's, She's doing okay. Yeah, there's been questions over like what happened there in terms of how all of that money was used because, I mean, it... What is the stranglehold that Mitch McConnell has? Well, he's the majority leader I mean, of the Senate, and it's Kentucky. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Teresa Greenfield is running against um, um, Ernst. Joni. Joni Ernst in, in Iowa. John Ossoff is running against Purdue in Georgia. Barbara Bollier. I'm, I'm sure it's not Bollier, right? I love when you have to do the reading because then I don't even have to deal with these problems. Yeah, she's running in a, in a race with no incumbent, I believe. And then Steve Bullock, of course, in Montana, who's running against Danes in, in for the Senate seat in Montana. Mm-hmm. These are all critical. And also, they're not leaning blue. These are all leaning red, but really right on the cusp of, of a toss-up. Yeah. So they desperately need the money. Uh, we're going to put the link in. The description, we posted it this weekend. It didn't get a ton of traction because I think people were doing other things. It's the weekend, after all. Um, but it's secure.actblue.com slash donate slash dollamore. I know <laughs> that's a lot to, to remember. It will be in the, in the show notes. Again, secure.actblue.com. Secure.actblue.com. Slash donate slash dollar more. And then whatever amount of money you give gets evenly split between those four candidates. And right now, look, it's a bummer that it really does take money to win elections in this country. And until we modify our campaign election laws, our campaign finance laws, this is what we got. Mm -hmm. So until then, donate if you have it. It really will make a difference in these races. I almost thought you were going to wrap up the show because you said, until then, <laughs> for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. Um, w- some good news that came out of this weekend, though, 
was people were mobilized to act. And the money that came in to that website, Act Blue, record breaking. And the 9 p.m. hour after Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, 6.2 million, more than in any other single hour in their 16-year history of existence and launching the website. Really? Yeah. Broke records. And then... They broke that record again at 10 p.m. when donors gave another 6.3 million. So that was more than a hundred thousand dollars per minute. Well, it, 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 the news certainly woke America up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not big political givers as far as campaign contributions are concerned, and we gave some money. I yeah. mean, we we dug a little deep and gave. More than I've ever donated before in a in a campaign race. I yeah, mean. yeah. Well, I'm sure that was the case for a lot of people. Yeah, because there's so much fear surrounding this now, and rightfully so. Yeah. Especially when we talk about who's <laughs> at the top of the list. Yeah. So anyway, again, we're that 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 link will be in the, the description or the fucking show notes or you know whatever podcasters do. <laughs> Um, this episode's really going to be do- dedicated to this, to talking about this and what went on in the aftermath and kind of what we're going to be looking forward to. But first, we're going to start, as we always do, with a little listener communication. Shall we start with phone call, Brittany? Or let's start with one phone call. Uh, you put a call out to the audience about your foggy glasses while wearing a mask, and someone responded. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is... Maureen Moe from Denver, Colorado, and I was just listening to your last podcast. Um, I don't have any idea for glasses, but uh, you might try washing them in Dawn liquid soap. It's supposed to stop them from fogging up. Um, I know my problem is that I have to use oxygen, and my ears aren't big enough. So when I put my oxygen and my ear mask and my glasses on, Everything keeps falling off. So. <laughs> Anybody have any ideas? I was wondering if I could have my ears made into elf ears or something, <laughs> but that's my message. Have a good day. Everybody's the best part. Love you guys. Pick Bye-bye. a side! <laughs> Pick a side, Maureen. I know the problem with the masks and the glasses, and it feels like a lot of stuff is going on on your face. Although I know there are nurses listening to this saying, shut your mouth. We have serious problems. You do not. And you are correct. Thank you for checking me, even though I just did that myself. (laughs) Um, My favorite masks right now for people with glasses are from a website called Vida, V-I-D-A. And they have a metal nose band that when you like shove it down right on your nose really hard. Really clamp it down. Yeah, it keeps everything in check for the most part, for the most part. I hate them, though, because you have to hand wash them. So I'm trying to look for a solution. But I haven't tried the dish soap glasses thing. That's a very nice tip. I actually have heard that. That's a thing that I've I've heard can possibly work. So I'm going to try it. I've, I've also heard that if you wipe um, shaving cream like on a regular mirror, it becomes a mirror you can use in the shower, like a, an anti-fog mirror. Like permanently? I don't know. I don't know. I've never done it, but that's something I've heard. <laughs> oh, okay. But right. I, I listen. I I um uh, I'm I'm commiserating with Marine because I've got that same problem <laughs> with tiny little elf ears, mm. and it's exacerbated by the fact that I have a giant pumpkin head. Mm-hmm. So like, even finding masks that fit me mm-hmm. are it's a bummer because at first it has to fit over the giant head. Yeah. Because a regular mask. I stretch them over my ears, and the ears just, they give up. No, we're not doing it. (laughs) We're way too small to be holding on to this. I think this has been an unintended consequence of everyone having to wear masks. We're all suddenly aware of the limitations of our head structure and facial structure. I know that someone was recently asking me or telling me that they have an issue with the mask staying up on their face. Like, that's something that they really struggle with. And I don't have that problem because I have very sharp features uh, in terms of the nose. And so it's just right there to hold everything your, up. Your nose, it's like a fucking butcher knife. I'm shocked it hasn't cut through a mask, yeah, it's honestly, like a, it's, while yeah, it's on my face. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's a risk that I take. Be more careful with the masks, for sure. <laughs> you have to get like a chain link 
Like uh, wh- that wouldn't be effective at all. <laughs> well, what's the? Well, it could be in on the inner side, and then it could be covered in fabric. Well, it would also be no match for the nose, like a Kevlar, a Kevlar in <laughs> '95. Mm. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Anyway, Maureen, thank you for the call. Um, let, let's get to an email. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, haven't really called in a while, so I figured I'd jump back in with an email. In lieu of the Joe Rogan debate moderator rumors, it got me thinking, if you two were scheduled to moderate a presidential debate, what questions would you ask the candidates and what would be your debate format? I know the chances of that happening are slim, but I think it would be pretty interesting to talk about. And honestly, who knows what the future might bring? You guys are number one rated in Orange County, the number one rated podcast in Orange County. So maybe you can moderate a debate there. Thanks for everything you guys do. Both are the best part. Popeye, okay, I guess. LOL. (laughs) P.S. Thoroughly enjoyed episode 695 with Robert P. Jones. Gene from Florida. Gene from Florida. Long time listener, long time supporter of the show. Early adopter. Yes. Uh, Well, first of all, let's talk. Thank you, Gene, for the email. That's awesome because it gives us kind of a springboard into some other stuff. The the Joe Rogan thing is. Do we even talk about that last time? I think so. Yeah. I oh, think we that's did. Why he's bringing it up that Joe Rogan was on his show with Tim Pool, I believe. No, something Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. Oh, okay. Which I I don't know who that is. Yeah. But they this were is another Jonathan Gold, Jonathan Swan situation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But for those of you who don't know or didn't catch if we did talk about it in the last episode, everything runs together. Yes. Because when we're just having a conversation in the living room, it could very well be the show. Correct. Uh, that Joe Rogan was it was floated that he hosts like a four-hour debate between Joe Biden and and uh, Donald Trump. Famously, Joe Joe Rogan always, as a, when he gets into trouble, he's like, oh, I'm just a dummy. I don't know anything about politics, y'all. He, he pulls that card. So absolutely not should he be a fucking debate moderator. Mm-hmm. He's a dingus. Well, let's be frank. Neither should we. Of course. Well, I mean, we're in the, we're in this space. Yeah. But I mean, as someone who was once called a partisan hack, I think it's important to understand <laughs> that <laughs> we're not necessarily journalists, right? And I think it's important for journalists to be moderating the debate. Although now, as I'm saying this, I'm yeah, kind of questioning I, I, myself. I don't agree. I'm kind of questioning myself that it might be useful. To not necessarily bring in partisans, but to bring in different types of experts to specifically talk about issues that are related to their expertise. Like Chris Wallace has selected climate change as one of the topics that he's going to bring up at the presidential debate on the 29th. And it might be nice if they had a scientist come in who knows a lot about the issue to ask the questions. Yeah, that would be I think that would be fantastic Uh, to answer the question. I don't know that I would have specific questions that I would ask. I mean, I, we certainly would, but it's, that's not as important as how you, how you follow up when they're not answered. Cause if I was going to be moderating a debate, I wouldn't let any motherfucker off the hook when they try to dodge and, and dip and dive or whatever the dodge, dive, dip, dodge, mm-hmm. you know, from dodgeball. Mm-hmm. Classic piece of cinema. Yes. Um, Great film. Yeah, you don't let him off. Well, you, you point out, you're not answering the question. I'll give you another ch- ch- chance to answer the question. Then if they don't do it, the question, if you're moving on, it needs to be stated while moving on, you refused to answer the question, we're going to move on. Hmm. Because in the audience's mind, people get mesmerized, hypnotized by that politician speak where they don't accept the premise of the question, so they answer something completely different that cannot be allowed in a presidential debate. Well, I need to urgently fact check myself here because climate change was not one of the topics that Chris Wallace selected. Oh, right. Um, so sorry about that. I the heard topics- it was race and violence in our cities is one. That's one. Yeah. The integrity of the election, the Trump and Biden records, the Supreme Court, COVID-19 and the economy. Hmm. Yeah. All good topics. I mean, I don't like the... The way they phrase race and violence in our cities, which is inexplicably links like there's some kind of a problem with uh, black and brown people in America. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's fucking Fox News. So what do you expect? Well, I like how you, your suggestion was that you wouldn't let people off the hook 
for not answering the question. And I, as I was listening to you say that, I'm sitting here thinking it's kind of like how people have criticisms for podcasts when they don't do podcasts. And then when they start doing podcasts, they actually realize how hard it is to do a podcast. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, where doing the show has created within me a lot more humility and respect for people who talk for a living, who are on TV, who do radio, mm-hmm. because I understand just a little bit about how difficult that is, especially when you're doing it live. (laughs) So, um, but then you said you would at least tell them, okay, you didn't answer the question. We're going to move on. Cause in my mind, I think it's very difficult to get someone like Donald Trump to answer a question, to force them to answer a question. I mean, there's a certain point where if someone doesn't want to answer a question, they're not going to answer the question. And so you have to be able to do something to illustrate, okay, you're not, so we have to move on. We can't spend 15 more minutes just listening to you drone on and on. Well, that's also why podcasters shouldn't be fucking moderating debates. You get the <laughs> best of the best of the best to do it. Well, and hopefully we see that from Chris Wallace on the 29th, although I don't know. I've seen people sharing this article about fears of Joe Biden ruining his election chances due to performing poorly at the debate. And I'm just sitting here wondering, are we going to do a repeat of what happened during the debates with Hillary Clinton, where the bar is so low for Donald Trump that he's able to pass and people think he did well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he performs somewhat normally. Well, he just what what he does, he just bucks convention altogether. And then, oh, what a fucking trailblazer. All the MAGA idiots think, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So listen, I've been watching a lot of Joe Biden lately. And I think he's doing fine. I think he's performing fine. He He's a little more stumbly in his words than he used to be, but he's fucking, he's like 80. He's like 117 years old. You, you just expect that. I mean, if you listen to Bob Woodward talk, it's like he's he's put on 50% speed or something. He, he, Two-syllable words become like 10-syllable words with the guy. It happens when you get a little older. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time finding the word. Landing on the word sometimes, you know? For sure. Yeah. He's going to be 78 next month. Yeah, it's too old. November is what he's 20th be. is his birthday. <laughs> 20th. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, Cindy McCain just endorsed Joe Biden. That's right. So we'll see if that has any sway. Also, I mean, good, great, if it sways somebody. But in my opinion, and this fucking show is going to be all over the board, he appears. The Democratic Party is working a little too hard to sway Republican voters. Yes. They're trying to convince the Republican voters that, hey, listen, we're not much different than Republicans. (laughs) What what are you fucking doing? You're abandoning the the, the people who got you there, so to speak. Yeah. Come on. I mean, this is the the same party that's trying to make Kamala out to be a socialist. The Republicans are going to say that anyone is too far left, regardless of how far left you are. Donald Trump has said with his fucking mouth hole that Kamala Harris is the most liberal member in Congress. (laughs) The woman who serves next to Bernie Sanders, the woman who serves next to Elizabeth Warren. Get the fuck out of here. She is not the most liberal member. Of Congress at all. Yeah. That's why leftists, you know, there's the saying that Kamala's a cop. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, Gene, thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. We do. Uh, let's get to a, uh, a voicemail on the matter of uh, RBG. Hi, guys. It's Carly from Texas. Um, I just wanted to put my two cents in about this nonsense that Trump and uh, Tucker Carlson are talking about um, Ginsburg's, you know, dying wish that her uh, vacancy on the court not be filled uh, before the election. Um, They both seem to be uh, in disbelief that someone would say something like that. I don't think either of these guys, as much as they claim to be patriotic, which we all know is bullshit. I don't think either of them really understands that level of dedication, not just to the country that they claim to love, but to anything. 
anything at all in their lives other than themselves. And I just think it's, to use Tucker Carlson's words, pathetic, that they cannot believe that somebody would say something like that, or that it would be something that she would even be contemplating, you know, on on her deathbed, basically. I think that's really sad. That's all. Take care. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I was waiting there. Maybe there was going to be something else. <laughs> you really were. The look <laughs> on your face, you were like, oh, is there going to be Is there going to be a little treat? Um, I, I think this is a great point. And just to give Carly's voice memo, it sounded like, a little more context, Trump has been suggesting that Democratic politicians actually wrote Ruth Bader Ginsburg's last statement, in which... Ruth Bader Ginsburg says, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Yeah. And Donald Trump, in making the claim that Democratic politicians are the ones that wrote this statement, said, quote, I don't know that she said that. Or was that written out by Adam Schiff and Schumer and Pelosi? I would be more inclined to the second. Okay, that came out of the wind. It sounds so beautiful, but that sounds like a Schumer deal or maybe a Pelosi or a shifty shift. So that came out of the wind. Let's see. I mean, maybe she did and maybe she didn't. What a fucking idiot. I, I swear to God. President of the United yeah. States. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We're going to wait and see. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. Just fucking moron. I mean, the dumbest motherfucker alive. An unbelievable fucking mook. It is a remarkable thing that he's able to wipe his own asshole. I'm unconvinced. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. You know, it sounds like something in the wind. We don't know. Maybe he can wipe his own asshole. Maybe he can't. Well, let's also say that... Fuck, I hate him. I hate that motherfucker. That... A lot. The... Tremendous amounts of hate. The statement was dictated to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's granddaughter. Yeah. And it it's truly remarkable, I mean, even for Donald Trump and for him to go out and say this after he, you know, that video of him pretending like he didn't know that she had passed yet. Yeah, yeah. Total fake. Yeah. And he's acting like, well, let's this is just we need to. She was a great person. Led a tremendous life. And then he launches into, eh, the statement was probably written by Pelosi, shifty shift. Yeah, yeah He yeah. can only hold the facade for so long. Seriously, in fleeting moments can he act presidential. Yeah. Fleeting fucking moments. Yeah. And it has to be practiced or written down for him. Yes. Now, listen, as far as the promises or the, 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 the fervent wish is concerned, eh, we don't run government based on fervent wishes of people who held the position previously. So I... I I'm glad that Democrats didn't spend a ton of time on it. Like, oh, oh, my God, he's violating her her last wish. That's not how it works. And I I just think it's it it would behoove all of us to move on and and really just get our fucking brains around the fact that there is a 99 percent chance that Donald Trump is going to affix a another a third Supreme Court justice in his first term, hopefully his last term. And that that's what the court is, the makeup of the court is going to be for the foreseeable future is a 6-3 court, which is a goddamn nightmare for the United States. Anyway, thank you for the call, Carly. We appreciate it. Moving on. Hey, um, it's Jim from Minnesota. Um, I listened for like two years now. Uh, just before you guys started that Orange County campaign thing with the being the best podcast in North County, what? which you are. And, uh, yeah, but first time caller. Um, so first off, um, I'm always wondering why Jesse always shits on the Navy. He talks <laughs> to the Army and the Air Force and the Coast Guard and blah, blah, blah. And he never mentions the Navy. And I'm guessing, because I just heard that he talked about a motorcycle injury, that he hurt himself somehow driving a motorcycle on board a ship. So... That's a simple story, though. Um, honestly, the reason I called was that uh, Ginsburg died. 
<sighs> Which sucks because she was really good. Um, at the end of the day, people are complaining about the fact that Republicans aren't going to let the the next president elect a person who is going to be on the Supreme Court. But they did it in 2010, the nuclear option. It was a big thing in 2009, 2010, because they wanted to push Obamacare so hard. Oh, Obamacare, Obamacare. And so they, Harry Reid and Hillary Clinton and a bunch of other assholes were like, oh, well, this us change the Senate rules. And here we are today, where a bunch of fucking empty states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, who can crack out two senators apiece, are just burying the Democrats because they are the ones who changed the you know the rules of the Senate. So now it's a 51-49 vote because the VP is the decider. And so it's like, oh, my God. And all last night, I'd listen to, like, Rachel Maddow hand job everybody in the whole Democrat Party being like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And it's like, you should have fucking thought about this 10 years ago. You know, like you went to, you went to, like Rachel Maddow, for instance, went to Stanford and she's not smart enough or she won't mention it because her corporate masters stop her. She's a corporate Democrat. Like these corporate Democrats have to go. Um, there's garbage. Um, they're the reason we're in the position we're in now because they changed the Senate. So they get Obamacare, which was a really half-assed version of any kind of healthcare plan. Anyway, sorry, I just got off work and I'm a little bit cranky and a few shots of tequila because my boss is kind of cool but kind of jackass God at the damn. same time. Um, the the drop where Brittany goes, I'm not prepared, is the best part. I'm not prepared. You know what's the best part is fucking keeping your call to under three minutes, Jim, in Minnesota. Oh, burn. <laughs> Well, first of all, let me correct, uh, do a little fact check in here. Uh-huh. The nuclear, n- nuclear option that, that he's talking about wasn't about Obamacare. It was about changing the cloture vote rule. Cl- cloture in the Senate, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but traditionally, things that came to the floor had to have 60 votes or more, otherwise a senator could filibuster. That's been a t- tradition of the Senate for a long time. Mm-hmm. Long, long time. Over a, a over a hundred years, th- th- that particular thing where they they l- l- took away the cloture rule wasn't about Obamacare at all. That wasn't it. It was about lower courts, federal seats, not the Supreme Court. Hmm. So, just to clear that up, and as far as me shitting on the Navy, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I, I I do jokingly disparage the other services but it is absolutely only in jest if you serve your country you're serving you i mean that's come on that's mm-hmm. clearly a joke and it, wrecking a motorcycle on a ship no sir i i i wrecked um a reconnaissance motorcycle rolled down a hill it crushed me i dislocated my left hip and my left knee i looked like uh like a like a bracket, like my left leg was pointing perpendicular to my body, and Ugh. my knee was perpendicular to that. That is so it not was, good. You know that pipe game you love at the mm-hmm. at the bars, yeah, with the balloonie, I think, yeah, or whatever the yeah, those. That's how I looked. That's terrifying. Yeah, it wasn't good. I looked like the pipes underneath your fucking sink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In human form. You almost lost your leg. I did. They almost amputated my leg. Yeah. Luckily, they gave you some more time. The the blood flow wasn't coming back. I don't know if I've ever told the story. But anyway, so I don't shit on the Navy. I mean, I shit on the Navy in jest, totally in jest. Yes. Because, you know, fuck those guys. (laughs) There's a lot of hostility there toward Rachel Maddow. That was pretty aggressive. Um not a perfect person by any means. Yeah, but corporate Who overlords and shit. I just think, you know, maybe it was the shots of tequila. Yeah, I think he was having a bad also, day. Also, let me say this, bro. <laughs> if you're going home and doing shots of tequila, rather than mixing yourself a delicious adult cocktail that contains tequila, maybe that's part of the deal. You get a little fiery on the on the tequila. Well, <laughs> I think 
think that people should do this more often, actually. Just kind of call us and vent and... Oh, no. Not not drunk. Let things off the... No, Listen, not drunk. Don't I've do that. Got, and I'm not saying he's drunk. We've gotten drunk calls before. I've gotten crazy drunk calls before. Yeah. On the YouTube side of things from, mm-hmm. like, Idaho people who are like, you say you're from Idaho. Why don't you do something for us here? We're struggling a little... Like, coming down like I'm not doing enough. Like, I have the power to single-handedly change the politics of the state of Idaho. Yeah. It's a lot. I don't I don't got it like that. Just just <laughs> don't call when you're drunk. Too drunk. You can call when you're yeah, drunk well, if well, it's like a happy fun time for well, everybody. But well, boozy's a good time. That's if it's Hell, I've done the show with a little booze in me. Sure. A couple times. That's when you forget to do edits. Anyway. <laughs> and you leave me reading things incorrectly in the show. That's done just as spite. Okay. All right. Moving on. Thank you, everybody. One more call. Or do we have an email? We have an email. Let's do an email. In time of uncertainty. In fact, let's do an email after we come back. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Well, we have two Patreon supporters who doubled their pledge. Fantastic. So we want to say thank you to Andrew P. Andrew P. And is that Sarah S? Is that Sarah S? Then we have several new Patreon supporters that we would like to thank as well. So thank you to Sean H. Sean H. Mr. R. Mr. R. Mr. R. (laughs) Arrested Development. H.J.K. H.J.K. April B. April B. Verdell L. Verdell L. Melissa H. Melissa H. And Brittany S. Brittany S. Fantastic. Thank you all very much for your generous support of the show taking part in helping us produce the content that we do is important and it is going to lead to bigger and better things here which is going to mean a better show for you and more content and more interviews and everything else if you are not in a financial position to to support the show that is fine this will always be free because that's what it is but there are ways that you can support the show outside of giving money You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can go follow the Facebook page and like and share the posts of the episodes from there. And then maybe someone will see it on your Facebook page and follow and like the show. Grow the audience. That's a part two. Tell a friend. So in addition, we want to read a message that we got following a PayPal donation that we received from Jen in Long Beach. Everyone talks about how terrible this year has been, and indeed it has been, in ways no one could have ever fathomed. However, I have been one of the very, very, very few that have seen blessings come my way. One of them being that I pulled myself out of one of the most debilitating bouts of depression I've ever suffered through and have begun to fall in love with myself for the first time in my entire life. My New Year's resolution was to be kinder to myself, and once again, for the first time ever, I've actually followed through on it, despite this planet constantly showing me my life literally has no value. With that being said, on top of my monthly contribution, I made a donation to you via PayPal as a way to give some of the good that has come my way back to the two people who have helped see me through these trying times. Your podcast has been a bomb, and your strength and fight have lifted a burden from my shoulders I didn't realize I carried. I thank you both from the bottom of my heart for everything you do and for being, sadly, two of the only three white people in my life that has not driven me to tears and heartache. My resistance to all the hate around me is to love myself, care for myself, and to be kind to myself, and this podcast is definitely a big help on my journey to getting there. I love you both so fucking much. Be well and much blessings. With all my heart, Jen from Long Beach. P.S. You have my consent to share this with the audience so they know even in dark times, there is always a silver lining. This is mine. Wow. Very nice. <clears throat> um, yeah. I, I really enjoy when we, I mean, obviously, 
that's something that everyone would enjoy, but being told that they're important to, to someone else and that they mean something, that they've made a difference in somebody's life, that's fantastic. Um, it, it's beautiful. I'm, it, 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 there are days when I don't feel like showing up. There are days oh, when sure. I don't want to sit behind this microphone or in front of it or whichever side of it I'm on and, and, and talk. For sure. It's tough sometimes. And mm-hmm. those those are emails that reinforce that it is important what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a good time, but but it's important because there are people out there who rely on what we're doing. So thank you so much, Jen. We We love you. We appreciate you. And that email means the world to me. Well, and it's definitely one that we will keep and reference on days that are tough because... We do need that. And it never gets old, really, to receive positive messages, because like you said, it's it's tough sometimes to do this and tough sometimes to find the motivation. But when we get messages like that, we feel motivated and we feel reinforced and how important it is to do it. And it's not just us. It's the audience, right? People calling in and sharing their perspectives. That's so important for people to hear. And but you, they're not alone. There are other people out there going through the same shit. Right. And yeah. you never know how you're going to touch somebody listening to this show with your story when you call in. So if you're on the fence about calling in, do it. Save the contact information to your phone. Call in with your thoughts. 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. But first, make sure you're super drunk before you call. Okay? <laughs> All right. All right, I think we got one more email before we get to the last voicemail. And this email is about the interview with Robert P. Jones. In a time of uncertainty and madness, it was great to take a beat and hear an honest actor just being honest. It was just a great conversation. Please, more of that. Not that you aren't, but I loved the conscious care you took with this conversation. Another book I would recommend is Calling Bullshit, The Art of Skepticism in a Data-Driven World. There are corresponding online resources. As a former academic, it challenged me, made me admit my own flaws. If you could engage Bergstrom, who is one of the authors of the book, in a similar interview, that would be amazing. Also, I am so glad you are back. I love hearing your loud voice, Jesse. Brittany, your compassion and bravery are always aspirational. Sending best wishes, hugs to you both and Popeye. Best, H. Well, that's awesome. And, um... In the email, it was actually a, a link that you click, and I clicked the the because I printed these emails for you today while you were at work, uh, toiling away at your real job before yeah. you came home. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I clicked the link, and then I realized this is a book you just got like last week. Yes, you, you've already bought this book. Well, I am also a fan of the online curriculum. So if you go to callingbullshit.org, there's actually it's literally a curriculum there's a syllabus and there's a list of readings and a lot of it is based on harry frankfurt's writing on bullshit and which you have that little book too that's like a little pamphlet book right yeah and uh they also run a twitter account that is about identifying bullshit online and i'm trying to type it into the computer install but i'm not you're doing a hell of a job let me I'm tell you i'm not good oftentimes at this. i I watch you and I see that your arms are outstretched while you're typing, trying to stall, and you look very (laughs) panicked, but you never throw it to me to do what I just did to give you enough time to find it. Well, when you see the panic in my eyes as a nice co-host, you should jump in and save me from the terror. That would be great, wouldn't it? It would be great. So (laughs) (laughs) the Twitter account is at Colin underscore Bull. Colin, C-A-L-L-I-N underscore Bull. Colin, not like Colin Quinn, yeah. but C A, like the the short shortened version of calling. Calling bullshit, yes. Yeah. So, and it really is about what the title was: calling bullshit, the art of skepticism in a data driven world. The Twitter account is really useful because they will find tweets that are popping off and going viral that contain wrong information that people oh. haven't considered. They, I think I'll follow that. That's good. Yeah, they often will highlight graphs that are circulating online that, that are just stupid. have like insane stats on them that are not even remotely accurate. Well, maybe we should get those guys on the show, or at least the the Bergstrom guy. Well, I'm 
I'm working through the book. It's like right. I, it's my next book that I'm reading. And listen, if I did this full time, what I would do was spend all of my time watching The Wire, number one, but also <laughs> reading books and interviewing authors. You hear that? <laughs> Patreon people? Do you hear that? Oh. I would love for you to quit the fuck out of your regular job and do this with me. Well, I that's... Anyway, I would still do my job that I do, but I would probably read more and do more interviews with authors because it's something I really enjoy. And we got a lot of positive feedback about the Robert P. Jones episode, and we loved that. I mean, that was fantastic for me in particular. I won't speak for you, but I've followed him for a long time on Twitter, and I have followed the Public Religion Research yeah, Institute yeah. for a long time on Twitter. It's hard sometimes when you do an interview like that you know, with a guy who's a big deal, who's been profiled by the New York Times and done you know, fresh air on NPR and major. Uh, he's done all kinds of major shows. And then he comes on with us and we've got a certain amount of time with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we wanted to strategically touch on the things that could have been easily a three hour show just talking about. Oh, for sure. I would have wanted to loosen him up a little bit because, you know, it's you never know when you're I'm assuming him walking into an interview. What's the atmosphere going to be like? Yeah, it's different for sure. And it's been interesting to read the YouTube comments, for example, because you put the episode up on YouTube. Yeah, I got about 50,000 views or so. And people just refuse, not everybody, some people yeah. refuse to grapple with the thesis. There are people who repeatedly left comments saying, anyone who's a white supremacist is not really a Christian. Yeah. And I I would really recommend that you read the book. If you, if you don't walk away from the podcast understanding the point of what he was talking about, then please read the book. I mean, it's yeah. it's not his opinion. It is based on history. It's based on research. And it's really important that we grapple with this in a genuine and honest way, rather than trying to tell ourselves stories that make ourselves comfortable, because that leads to inaction. And it's time to really accept the hard truth so we can jump into action. Yeah, right? Absolutely. All right, last last li- piece of listener communication. Here we are, uh, deep, deep into the program. And uh, we're going to end with um, Marcus from North Carolina. Hi, this is Marcus from North Carolina. It's Saturday morning when I'm recording this, and we just found out last night that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. This is devastating. She wasn't just an important vote on the Supreme Court. She was an intellectual giant and an amazing and cogent voice on many important issues. So take what time you need to mourn her passing, both for her as a person and for what it means for our country. For those who are ready to hear it, now I'm going to talk about what we do next. First, we probably can't stop Trump from replacing her. We will fight that battle, but be prepared for us to lose it. What we can do is win this damn election up and down the ballot. From the perspective of where our focus should be, nothing has changed. We still need Biden to win the presidency. We still need to retake the Senate. We still need to hold the House and expand our majority there. We still need to flip red governor seats and state legislatures and local governments. In my opinion, your next steps should be these. Number one, vote. Make a plan for voting at vote.org. You can still register if you aren't ready. You can still request an absentee ballot. Many states have early voting options. Figure out a plan to vote and then execute it. Before you go, look up your ballot so you know what's on it. Your local Democratic Party will have slate cards available online if you're not sure who some of the people are. Number two, donate what time and money you can to candidates. If you only have $5, give $5. If you only have two hours a week, give two hours a week. This election will be won or lost based on whether or not we get out the vote. 538 has a list of the closest Senate races if you want to know where best to put your money. Your local Democratic Party would love for you to write postcards or make calls or send texts or greet people at the polls. I promise you, it's not hard to do and your effort will make a difference. 
words fail to adequately describe how shitty 2020 has been. The only way we make sure 2021 and beyond is better is to work to make it that way. So listening to that was super healing for me. That's like the main thing that's coming to mind right now that I feel like Marcus should send in just kind of a summary every month for us of like important issues that we need to be focusing on and what we need to be doing with our lives. I want to hire Marcus as my personal assistant. I was going to (laughs) say, I think that is a fantastic, fantastic idea. Well, I also thought he was going to admonish us to get our flu shots because that's normally what he does during this time (laughs) when we hear from Marcus. Which we should. Well, which we're going to do. Yes. Uh, This weekend, we're going to do that. It's either flu shots or a PSA about how much William Barr is a great guy. That's what we get from Marcus. That's what we hear about. (laughs) so that was awesome those are absolutely the things that that we need to be doing and what is your plan for voting all of those by the way are going to be in the show notes every single thing he listed including the link uh to give to those four senate races that i talked about yes but my plan is i'm going to we just got our voter uh, um packet today not our ballots but our the voter information that goes through all the different propositions uh, I would say attack it early. Look into every single choice, what's coming up on the ballot this election, so you can know. that That's from your, your judges, your prosecutors, all of the ancillary, um, not sexy races, your city council, your county commissioners, whatever. Look into those. If you need, if there needs to be a sea change relative to party or new blood or new ideas, Make sure you're making the right choice. Absolutely. The, the other thing I'm going to do is have a plan for what, how I'm going to vote. We have now a month and a half left. Less than a month and a half left. Yeah. And what I plan to do is vote by mail. And I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to fill out the ballot and then bring it to a vote center or mail it. But it's looking right now that I'm going to actually wait till election day and bring my ballot to the to the voting center mm-hmm. to to the place where people physically vote to hand it off. Yeah. Well, good. Is that what you meant? That means you have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So you have a plan. You've thought about it in advance. And that's absolutely what people need to be doing, like Marcus said. And we're actually planning. Jesse will make a big announcement that we're going to be doing a election. <laughs> An election day live stream <laughs> on election day. Yeah, on we, election day. Yes, we are going to. Hence the name election day live stream. Live stream <laughs> results on election day with you guys. We did this actually the last election. Yeah. When well, Donald, well, the last presidential election. It didn't end up. I figured people were like, oh, are you going to live stream? I'm like, yeah, I can come on, get on for like a half hour. Mm-hmm. And then we were on for four or six hours. Yeah, because over it, the course it of the turned night. into people asking questions, people kind of processing the events of what was going on and us just kind of talking it out. And that was just Facebook Live. We're going to do, there's going to be more production value to this. It'll be us in studio I'm, I I bought a, a video switcher. It's going to be a little bit more involved. Yeah, yeah, we've already started preparations for it, if that tells you anything. So watch out for that. And it will be pretty, pretty exciting, I think, to spend Election Day with all the listeners, with the community of listeners, and go through that experience together. So make sure you have a plan to vote. Make sure you are giving what you can, either to the link that we're going to put in the show notes or to, like, like Marcus referenced, 538 has those different races and you can look at how the race is leaning and decide if you want to spend your dollars there. And then you can also phone bank, write postcards, the things that Marcus was talking about there as well. Absolutely. All right. Dalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump is going to announce his Supreme Court pick on Saturday, is what he has said. And the top of his list seems to be Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And she was a name that was floated last time there was an open That's seat. That's right, when, when Kavanaugh was picked. Although Axios's Jonathan 
Swan, not gold, reported <laughs> last year that Trump was, quote, saving Amy Coney Barrett for Ginsburg's seat. So Donald Trump met with her Monday afternoon at the White House, which is another sign that he is leaning toward picking her and announcing I, her. And I think another day. I think he's met with her twice. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I listened to the Daily report on this. Part one of the RBG aftermath was focusing on her life and legacy. And then part two was focusing on the rush to replace her. And in that podcast, they talked about how Amy Coney Barrett's views on the law is that she, she views laws as a means to an end of establishing the kingdom of God. That was the quote from the daily. So not only is she either a current, but certainly former Notre Dame, a Catholic college law professor, she is a nutter butter religious fundamentalist. She is a the conservatives really want her. The people who care most about the abortion issue. She is at the top of their list. Yeah. And it is pretty terrifying to think about the prospect of her being selected. What's interesting to me about this entire process is how all of the Republicans have come together <laughs> so quickly to get on board with whoever it's going to be. They're already saying, yes, they're going to vote. Yeah, yeah. And you're already planning to support a person. You don't even know who it is. That's a little concerning, right? No, we haven't even, we didn't even get, I've got all these clips on the board we're not even going to get to of the hypocrisy of the, the Merrick Garland moment. And then now... And they just don't fucking care because mm -hmm. they're all fascist fucks. Well, and there's also been a lot of criticism of highlighting the hypocrisy of Republicans. And that has been interesting to watch it's as well. Infuriating. I don't know if that is just pessimism or. Wait, are you talking about. Are, I want to get down on exactly what you're talking about. You're, you mean like when people say pointing out that Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are hypocrites isn't going to change them from being hypocrites. You mean that kind of a. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's infuriating. Yeah. Because that's and, not why anybody's doing it. Right. Although, again, listen to The Daily, getting all my information from The Daily, apparently. They <laughs> spoke to someone that they gave a survey to that, that said they were an independent voter and would stay in contact, or they were open to communication from The New York Times about follow-up calls throughout the election. And she was a 31-year-old uh, independent Catholic who was undecided about who she would vote for. And they interviewed her today and they asked her how this news with Ruth Bader Ginsburg swayed her. And she actually highlighted the hypocrisy of the Republicans and said that it made her more likely to vote for Joe Biden. And it just, it's so gross. I, so rank, so bare, just naked, just sickening. It's fucking gross. Well, I thought it was fascinating that actually the thing that people keep saying won't matter to anybody matters to was some the people. thing that actually mattered to this person. Yeah. So sure. Is it going to convince Lindsey Graham to not be a hypocrite? No, you're not going to be able to shame Mitch McConnell into being a good person. We know that that doesn't work. We know that won't work with Lindsey Graham. We know that won't work with who else? Just about any fucking Republican. Chuck Grassley. Okay, yeah. it's, it's not going to work. But it may be beneficial for people who maybe didn't know about the Merrick Garland situation or maybe haven't heard these statements of Mitch McConnell speaking at a dinner. It, it may be beneficial for those people who aren't immersed in the news and on Twitter yeah. like some of you people L and, and me listen, as a hobby. He here's, here here's the deal. The reason that political ads like that one that was so powerful about Lindsey Graham calling Donald Trump a xenophobic religious bigot and using his words against him, the reason they're so effective and the reason that, that Lindsey Graham, there's a decent shot he's going to get beat by Jamie Harrison in South Carolina this year. The reason those ads work is because they fucking work. The reason they're used so often is because they work. And using their words against them, me playing them on YouTube, there are all kinds of people who don't operate through going through the world thinking about politics the way that you do or the way that I do. 
And it might take something like this to wake them out of the fog that they're in and, and have them realize, oh, Jesus, these people are fucking crazy hypocrites and they don't even care if you know it. So, yes, talking about it ad nauseum is important because there are people on the outskirts looking in who may be convinced, who may be swayed. Yeah, for sure. I also think it's useful just to, like, commiserate (laughs) with one another and just uh, dive in the deep end of the misery and really process it. I think that's important, too. Let me just play two of these clips since we're here. It's just two very brief clips. It's 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 Graham before Donald Trump was elected and then after talking about the very same thing that if there there became a a a vacancy during Donald Trump's last year of his first term we would wait till the election. This is the last year uh, of a lame duck president and if Ted Cruz or Donald Trump get to be president, they've all asked us not to confirm or take up a selection by President uh, Obama. So if a vacancy occurs in their last year of their first term, guess what? You will use their words against them. I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. And that was before Donald Trump. That's before everybody knew Donald Trump would be the president. Here is after saying the same fucking thing, doubling down on it. If an opening comes in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, We'll wait to the next election. And I've got a pretty good chance of being the judiciary. You're on the record. Yeah. All right. Hold the tape. Yeah, hold the tape. And now they don't fucking care that they're liars. They don't care. Why? Because they're going to get Amy Coney Barrett. An extreme religious fundamentalist who wants to build a kingdom of heaven or whatever the fuck who wants to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's extremism. And that is the reason they don't care how they look. Well, and even Mitt Romney, and hopefully this is a lesson to a lot of people who tried to point to Mitt Romney and say, but look at Mitt Romney. He will come down and he will be reasonable and he will reason with the Republicans and he'll show them the way. Well, Mitt Romney voted to support impeachment of Donald Trump. Yeah. But then he came out today and said he supports voting on Donald Trump's nominee. It it is nonsense, wishful thinking to presume you can rely on fucking Mitt Romney for anything. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's a lesson because it needs to stop. I mean, he's saying that someone that he believed should be removed from office should be able to nominate someone <laughs> for a lifetime position. Exactly. Yeah. It's So he doesn't think Donald Trump is fit to be president of the United States and voted to convict him and remove him from office. Right. But oh yeah, he can make some Supreme Court picks. That's what I'm talking about. Because all that matters is if we get some extremist nutter butter in there on the court and have a 6-3 court. That is why we need to stack this fucking court, expand this court. Article 3, Section 1 of the Constitution gives the power of, of setting up, of organizing the judiciary to Congress. But you need both houses of Congress and a president to agree. How, that doesn't happen all that often. People are saying, yeah, but if we do it now, Republicans are going to do the same thing. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But they're going to have to win both houses and have a president. Let me also just say, I want everyone to recognize more than the hypocrisy, how insulting it is to the electorate that these politicians pretend that they can't get things done. And then when it's something that they truly want, they can come together and they can get it done in what will end up being under 40 days. But when they sent you a $1,200 check months ago and they told you sorry 
we can't get more or when they got rid of that extra $600 in unemployment every week and couldn't come to another agreement. Sorry. All, all while they're still getting paid. Sorry. We're going to take a break. We're going to recess. But they're going to fucking ram this thing through because it is important to them. Look at that motivation. Yeah. Look at that motivation when it is self-serving compared to when they need to help you. Yeah. That's what really matters. Disgusting. All right. I, I think we should end it there. We I really should have ended it with Marcus's voicemail. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was like a positive action oriented. Yeah, yeah. But here we are. Well, here we are. I, th I think it was nice to process all this, to hear from the listeners, to talk it out with the listeners. I hope that by everybody listening to this, they were able to kind of process it too. And talk to people. Reach out. Reach yeah, out yeah. for support. If you want to communicate with us, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. Be sure to connect with us at the Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast on Facebook. If you still have a Facebook, if you have deleted it in protest, good for you. You can also find us on Twitter at I Doubt It Podcast at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page. All those same Twitter handles also apply to Instagram. And don't forget to give Popeye some love at bully with a Y Popeye, B-U-L-L-Y Popeye. He will be very excited to get a few new followers. Very excited. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Pretty Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt.